Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode 92 of our Summer Out of Left Field. How are you doing, guys? How's it going this week? Yeah, it's going well. I'm home. I'm back uh, getting getting into the writing world right now. So it's it's good, yeah. All right. Yeah, I have traveled a lot this week. I started this week in Arizona <laughs> at Grandview Camp and then gearing up for two other camps next week and uh, three weeks from now speaking at a couple of junior high camps and so two junior high camps irbc junior high yep. and then whispering cedars junior high huh, both in junior Nebraska. high yeah it's really interesting and i already know i'm going to be speaking at senior high camp next year at whispering cedars oh that's awesome so that's really good i just need to pair that with senior high camp at another place that's next right summer. do you do you have a mileage that you know you've covered so far? Do you, do you have like any idea about how many miles you've driven? Because you've driven a ton. Well, no, because I've driven it in multiple cars. Oh, that's right. Some of them were in my Impala. Some of them were in a Chevy Equinox that I owned <laughs> for four days. And uh, oh. some of the other was in the CRV that is now my new vehicle. Charlie's had a rough summer when it comes to vehicles. You know, earlier in our podcast, we talked about when you guys had to buy that van. Yeah, I hated it. And the it. struggles it was. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, it has been horrendous. Your trial made mine look uh, like nothing. And it will. my CRV will be in the shop again next oh, week. Oh, seriously? It's leaking coolant. Oh, no, that's not. It was it like a 2018 or something? 2016. 2016. Okay. It's not that old. Tim, Tim and I talked about this yesterday. Yeah. I, I don't think, because I, I got it and I've literally driven it like 3,000 miles in the first two weeks I've had it. And so I, I don't think it was like a problem that existed when I purchased it. I think yeah. it was the wear and tear of the mountains that oh, might have okay. done something. Sure. Because it wasn't a problem sure. on the way out. It was on the way home. I noticed it. Okay. But Good thing you noticed that that can, a leaking coolant can wreck the whole engine. Yeah. and As oh. you... No, <laughs> I could, I could, I was in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico and the AC had not been working. And I was like, man, that's weird. That oh. The AC is not working. I'm like, did the AC really go out of my car? And in then New Mexico. Oh. I, yeah, it was a, like a hundred degrees. Yuck. I was like two hours out of Albuquerque, hour somewhere out of Albuquerque, like right on the Arizona, New Mexico border going. Yeah. Yeah. Southeast ish. And, uh, then I noticed that my temperature gauge was all the way oh. up. Oh, no. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. The closest oh, no. gas station is like 40 miles away. I'm like, oh, man. that's I'm like, I'm fully prepared at this point for my engine to overheat, and I'm going to have to pull over on the side of the road and call a tow truck. Oh. I'm ready for that. And praise the Lord, I slowed down and made it to the gas station. And I noticed when I slowed down, I was driving like 65, 70. I slowed down to like 50. My AC kicked on and that, oh, that triggered to me. Like there's okay. a radiator issue happening. Yeah. Here. Like it's not able to cool because of the heat in the radiator. It's mm -hmm. a coolant issue. So then I, I bought some coolant at, um, the gas station, put it in instant fix. Okay. The next day 
about halfway through my, and you're talking like 10 hour jaunts here. And listener, you need to realize that the vehicle that he bought right before this one blew up, like the engine blew up. I was on my way to Joe Terman's wedding. I was 20 minutes away from the church and the engine fried. Uh, there was a, a, a small oil leak and that had happened for like 400 miles. And then the engine was deprived of oil and I got an oil pressure sensor go off and I pulled over to the side of the road and the engine killed before I could turn the car off. It was like an almost without warning, your car's done. Yeah. And, and so I had a theological discussion with the dealer and uh, that resulted in me now having a CRV that is having some issues. So. Yikes. But I, I don't think Tough these. Summer. I don't think these issues are their fault. Yeah. I, to, just to give them the benefit yeah. of the doubt, they have been really kind. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And I think the CRV will be worth repairing. That's a yeah. really. That's a solid car. I think my take is that somewhere in the mountains you might have like bumped something, and I'm just hoping it's a loose something. It mm -hmm. could be a couple hundred bucks. If it's a radiator replacement, that's a whole other thing. Hopefully, yeah. it's not that. What was it? Yeah. But so. I will say so that. Traveling all over the place, but two things have happened. One of them I realized yesterday, and one of them was last week. So last week, on my way to Grandview Camp in Arizona, I finished the discipleship book. Yeah. All, I guess it's 12 chapters plus an intro and a conclusion. So 14 chapters. It's done. And the reason I had to finish it was because my editor is working at Grandview Camp, and I was supposed to give it to them. Uh, and I knew I was going to see that person. And I was like, well, I can't see them and be like, sorry, the book's not done. So I finished the book Good on job. my way out. And then the second thing was yesterday, I got in the mail my author's copy of my journal. It's kind of not a journal article. It's a, it's a Mag magazine article. Yeah. But it's a publication in Frontline Magazine about prophecy. Tim also has an article in that magazine. Uh, so if you want to find that, you can go online, Frontline Magazine. You can order that one copy. I think you can get it digital somehow. Um, but Frontline Magazine, Tim and I both have articles in there. That's awesome. In this current issue. And I'm pretty sure every other article on like the theology, the prophecy theme is a faith prof. Mm -hmm. Ken Rathbun has an article. Alan Cole. I think Doug Brown. I think Dr. Kobelia. It's a faith edition almost mm -hmm. because ken's the editor or the person who lines up the articles so, <laughs> yeah so i'm officially an author what did yeah. you uh what did you write on in the article daniel 9 the fulfillment of daniel 9 in christ's um the prophecy of the, the, the cutting weeks. off of the messiah uh that so the 70 week prophecy mm -hmm. the fulfillment of yeah. that and uh yeah i think mm -hmm. it looks better than it probably is <laughs> Yeah, they so did a good job. Go they did a great <laughs> they job. Did, they did a really good job with like the artwork and stuff. Yeah. My article's on Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin will conceive and bear a son. Uh, and so I interact with the historical context of Isaiah 7. Uh, so that's my article in that magazine. That's awesome. So Tim, you just got back from Iowa regular Baptist camp I and did. you were speaking. What were you, tell us what you're speaking about. Yeah. So uh, I had two weeks up at Iowa regular Baptist camp. I was a junior counselor. And that was a sanctifying experience that God used in my life. So what's a junior counselor? Uh, junior I didn't have bad kids. I didn't. It was, they were really pretty good. Um, but there was definitely some opportunities where the flesh was strong and God 
use that in my life to sanctify me. And, uh, and then last week, I think that was actually in preparation for my ministry last week. I was the morning speaker and um, I spoke on Song of Songs for Singles. So I did five sermons, uh, which is some of the content from the book that I'm working on, Song of Songs for Singles. And we did launch a Facebook page, an Instagram, I don't know, is that called a page or an account or whatever the world it is? Um, and we have a website and we created a YouTube channel. So if you want to follow or subscribe to any of those things, then you can do that. Uh, you can look us up and we'll get some links and things shared. We're not, we're just kind of helping people stay connected right now. Um, uh, but it was really well received. Uh, a lot of positive feedback and so a lot of encouragement telling me get the stuff done. So uh, I'm currently working on a paper that I'll be presenting at the end of July for the Bible Faculty Leadership Summit. That paper needs to get written before I finish the book. Uh, so that's my focus, more of my focus this July. Uh, but we'll hopefully start seeing some Song of Songs for Singles stuff uh, materializing and you can follow us uh, through that source. That's awesome. One more comment before you move to the next thing. I think for me, I think, Tim, you pretty confidently would have written something like this, whether or not we existed. But I don't think writing something, like publishing something, was really on my radar until we started this, like three or four years ago. Mm, and so yeah. to then, almost in the same week, have a book manuscript completed... And then to have an article published is like a really cool realization of one of our goals, yeah, yeah. which is to help each other mm. and uh, get get things published. And so, thank you guys. I remember when we started, we were we would bring something that we had either read that was helpful or that we were writing, and then we would try to push each other. And I think that we're seeing the fruit of that. Yeah. I remember what we called them? Offerings. We did, and then there was at one <laughs> yeah. point we called like on the we had a Google Sheet or Doc, and it was quote something creative yeah well i, th I think we maybe i maybe i just called had it. everyone had to bring it all yeah well, i remember the, or i remember the poems that charlie would my, write my janky his coffee were good his coffee one coffee was pretty good was awesome. my dropping the ice cream essay that was oh yeah that was good do you guys remember mm. my poem no i do not it's because i didn't write one <laughs> <laughs> you know who's pop i actually at one of these weddings i saw evan mckinney oh yeah and he reminded oh, yeah. me of the of the poem that he sent in yeah and i think we actually read that on air mm -hmm. and uh so just a general plug if you want to send us a poem yeah we've had some good content come in through the podcast email thanks for that we need to incorporate so that more into the we, episode we have a bunch of i wish want anyone who has sent a books in business mm -hmm. i have seen it mm -hmm. i've starred those emails i know we've mentioned a few on air i'm waiting for season five so the fall to like bring those back in like hey we've got mm -hmm. a books in business from so-and-so mm -hmm. Um, so just, if you are like, Hey, I sent this in, you never did anything with it. I know they're there. I've seen them just hold tight. We are very thankful that you do that. Um, we're still so, figuring stuff out here and yeah. we've got some ideas for the fall season where we'll be able to try to incorporate more listener. Well, I used to have my phone set up where I would get notifications from the Thinklings Gmail and then I got a new iPhone and I didn't realize that I wasn't getting those. Oh. And so I was like, man, we haven't gotten an email from the Thinklings in a while. I'm like, man, people just stopped emailing us. That was not true. <laughs> you guys have emailed us very faithfully. And I just wasn't getting the notifications of them. And so uh, now once we get back in the swing of the school year, now that I've got the routine a little bit better established, I think we're going to. Yeah. And Sydney has eyes on things too now, so. That helps. We should uh, we should not miss anything. So please send us things. We check our email. So 
We do. Well, this week is episode 92. When this one drops, I'm going to be speaking at Family Camp 3 up at IRBC. So I just want to give a shout out to all the people at Family Camp 3, because when this drops, you're probably already stuck listening to me anyways. I'm going to be talking about contentment. So a lot of the stuff I did in the series last year, I'm sort of using part of that and I'm doing some enhancing. And then the following week after this, I am at the senior high camp Charlie was alluding to earlier. And I'll be speaking on wisdom and prophecy. No, 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 no. You were talking. Oh, I thought you were talking about IRBC. IRBC. I thought you were talking about that one. So, and both of the weeks that I'm there, so I'm back to back family camp three, senior high. A morning speaker, the evening speaker is Chris Anderson of Church Works Media and Biblical Ministries International. He just put out a book called Theology That Sticks about singing and music and churches and why having good songs is good for you. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited that. about, I, I got it. I ordered it, pre-ordered it and I got a signed copy. It's pretty awesome. So I didn't buy it through Amazon either, which I always feel like that's a, we, I, we need I, I need to, like a gold star or something. We need to get in cahoots. I don't know what, I don't know what <laughs> that's cahoots. That's your sticker, Charlie. I don't know what cahoots, cahoots are. Right there. That's your word. <laughs> what are, what are cahoots? That'd be an interesting thing. So uh, we need to get in cahoots with some of the program people of these family camps at IRBC mm-hmm. because we need to have a week <laughs> where we're all speaking. Oh, I know that would be fun. Wouldn't it? And we could do like, you know, three of us up on stage, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to talk about an idea here and mm-hmm. you know, we could, you know, record a podcest episode up there. It'd be so That would be fun. really fun to record a live so episode. So if we knew, if we knew someone who was a program chair yeah. at a family Stop camp. Stop it. <laughs> well, with that, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. Let's talk about some books. All right, Tim, what do you got for us? So while I was at Junior Boys Camp, I read The Destruction of the Canaanites by Charlie Trim, God, Genocide, and Biblical Interpretation. Who's that by again? Charlie Trim, (laughs) T-R-I-M-M. No comments. I found this book really helpful. I actually made it required reading for my Old Testament seminar class. This is a major issue within Old Testament studies, God commanding the destruction of a people. Um, The genocide of the Canaanites is how it's commonly described. Uh, The book's only 94 pages long, so pretty short. He does not really come down on, he does not come down on a position. Um, he, uh, he has formulated the book into two parts. The first part is the background, which in itself is very helpful. Warfare in the ancient Near East uh, is, uh, is widely misunderstood and, um, just it's, it was different, uh, back then. And he has a, a nice long section on that. Uh, then the second chapter is on genocide, which I found helpful. That's just modern genocide. What is genocide? And I didn't realize there was so much discussion about the meaning of genocide and what qualifies as genocide. Um, When I think of genocide, well, first of all, he mentions that the term came into existence in the 40s, connecting it to the Holocaust, uh, which didn't surprise me, I guess, but I didn't know it was that recent of a term coming from, of course, the genos, gene, the, the ethnicity, and then side, you know, the killing, the killing of an ethnicity. So uh, connecting that, of course, to the Holocaust is how we often hear of genocide as an illustration. But he talks about various different genocides that had uh, happened even well before the, uh, the uh, Hitler genocide. He talks about the genocide of the Armenians. I didn't know there was an Armenian genocide. In fact, he quotes uh, Hitler. When Hitler started killing the Polish people, including the women and children, Hitler made a comment, who after all talks nowadays of the annihilation of the Armenians? Uh, so Hitler kind of um, 
he 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 annihilated more people than even the Jewish people. He was a vicious individual. So there's a lot of uh, uh, helpful information I found there. Notice the title of his book is not the genocide of the Canaanites, but it's the destruction of the Canaanites because it was not a genocide of the Canaanites. If you think through the Old Testament story, uh, you have the Canaanite Rahab who is not killed uh, because she was a believer in the God of Israel. And then you had the um, Jewish Achan, who was Jewish, but was acting like a Canaanite. And then he is uh, put to the ban, the cherem, uh that you see throughout that whole story. So, in, and that's one of the things that he does articulate. Um, a genocide can have various different definitions, but he doesn't seem to think it is a genocide. It's more of a destruction of the Canaanites, not a genocide. Um, it was more of a religious side. You know, if you did not believe in the God of Israel, then you were killed. That was more of the idea of the Canaanites there. All right. So the warfare in the ancient Near East, then the genocide chapter, he talks about the Canaanites and how they were a very wicked people, a wicked, godless, brutal, um, violent people. And then chapters four through seven, he discusses how do we handle this whole thing about Yahweh and the destruction of the Canaanites. So he's formulated as in, well, do we, can we reevaluate God and who he is? Because that's what some people do. Can we reevaluate the Old Testament? Because that's what a lot of interpreters do. Can we reevaluate the interpretation of the Old Testament? Maybe it doesn't mean that it, maybe the text doesn't really mean that God was commanding the killing of everybody. Uh, or do we need to reevaluate the violence in the Old Testament? What is violence in the Old Testament? And various scholars go through different ways and approaches to all of that. Um, I, I see it as a religious side, and I'm not going to answer all of your questions. I would recommend the title. It kind of frames the, the questions, I think, quite well. Um, but um, yeah, I would recommend the book. I'd probably put it like at an eight on the Thinkling's Goodness scale. I definitely believe that it's worth reading. Maybe like a seven or an eight. It's definitely worth a read through once. I made a required textbook for my class. Any comments? I That's fascinating. In apologetics, one of the big attacks from non-Christians is the slaughtering of the Amalekites and other Old Testament, they would call People. atrocities. Yeah. So Paul Copan has a book called Is God a Moral Monster? Mm -hmm. And he essentially goes through this stuff. And, I, and that sounds very much in that alley. So that sounds really interesting. But it sounds like maybe he's doing more of an exegetical approach. Uh, but I, I'm not. It sounds interesting as well. It almost sounds like it's bleeding into some of the apologetic questions mm -hmm. that we would face today. So I'm, I'm interested in that. That mm -hmm. sounds. Yeah. He mentions just OT people. Yeah. He mentions Copan and his view. I'm not. I, I think. I haven't read Copan. So oh, okay. I don't know what his view is. Uh, Copan, Copan, or however you say his Copan. name, he he more reevaluates the interpretation of the Old Testament. That's kind of what he does. Um, so, what what kind of brutality was it really? Uh, when the Old Testament talks about the Canaanites, it talks about their expulsion and their cheram, the annihilation. Mm -hmm. And so, a lot of people like to focus more on the expulsion than the annihilation. Uh, the one was the result of the other, though. Okay. Okay. If they're coming in and they're going to wipe you all out, then what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to run away. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's typically what happened. But several converted to the Jewish faith, and they became assimilated into the uh, culture. And this gets into just a whole te- Old Testament theology of what is a stranger, what is a foreigner. The Old Testament speaks repeatedly against foreigners. And we think a foreigner as ethnicity, oh, they're racial, they're racists, and all of this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Okay? foreigners could assimilate into the Jewish faith and adopt the Jewish God. But a foreigner was always associated with the foreign God. Mm. You see this in the story of Ruth, where Ruth states to Naomi, you know, your people are my people. Okay, I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. Your God is my God. Hmm. Uh, So when you see somebody talking, when you see the Bible talking about foreigner, you have to think not just ethnicity, you need to also think religion. And I think that Kapan fails to make that distinction. And I don't think he answers the question uh, okay. too well. I don't think he answers the question, honestly, given the text of the Old Testament. Okay. I, all I know from that is that I think one of the arguments he brings up is that part of what was going on there is they had, they had sinned and God had sent them people possibly to call them to repentance and they hadn't yet. Mm-hmm. And so it was a judgment. But, right. I, but I, don't, I haven't read the book. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, are we ready to move to the Devo? Well, since I'm the host, Charlie, would you like to give us a Devo? I would love to. <laughs> it's weird when we so, switch positions, everybody. And as, as I say this, I do have my computer on Do Not Disturb, but I just had a... We would have heard a ding if I didn't. Oh, I should turn my phone up. Then I could be but just like you. Josh Boyd just sent me a text, so... Shout out to Dr. Boyd. Dr. P. You know what we call him? Dr. Pogon. That's right. Dr. That's right. Which I'm not 100% sure he knows we call him that. We should maybe check that he's okay with that. You guys are horrendous. <laughs> anyway, so the last couple of summer devotions, I've been walking through some passages in First Peter. And one of the camps, or I guess it's both camps, there's going to be morning chapels where we talk through some First Peter stuff at IRBC, which was when you're when this is released, it was last week. But then Whispering Cedars will be by release date next week. Uh, we're, we're going through the same stuff, but at IRBC, it's, the theme is uh, the game of life. It's like a board game theme, but life, it's more than a game, is the, is the theme, which I love it. Normally, the themes at camp are like these, like giants and sports and, you know, like Avengers and like all this, like Western and to have board games. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like it's taken a long time for board games to reach mainstream pop culture. And like, and, it, and it's awesome. It is. We have superheroes and board games as a, as a thing. Next year, I hope they do Ticket to Ride to Heaven. Ooh. See, that would be. And then Settlers and, of. And with your registration, Lord, you get two you know. free tickets to Heaven. <laughs> oh my, it's a horrendous. Okay, wow, I, that took a weird turn. Yeah. On, that went on a different branch line. Okay. Yeah, let's try to stay on track. Oh, so, <laughs> oh, oh. Come on, Tim. Show us the eyes. Come on, roll them. Roll them away. There we go. Got an eye roll. That was a quality pun. That was. It really was. It, it so was what are you going to talk so, about? So anyway, so the game, life, it's more than a game. In the morning chapels last week, when I play a board game, I think I've already said this on previous episodes, I just want to know how to win. Playing Settlers, I need 10 points, and I can get it through roads, I can get it through armies, I can get it through cards. You know, like, how do I win the game? And so if we're looking at the game of life, which... Obviously, it's a metaphor. It breaks down on multiple levels as a metaphor because it's it's not a game, but to treat it as a game to make it a point is you know not a hundred percent great. I mean, but Yolo. So I want to know how to win the game, okay? And, and we're, we're, the whole point is that life's not a game, 
but how do I win? Mm -hmm. You know, how would I win the game? And so we've already talked about a few in first Peter, uh, from first Peter, how do I win the game? I have to realize I'm an exile, which I actually don't think I'm going to talk about that as a main point. It's going to be like an intro point. Uh, but then how do I win it? Well, if you're born again, you have a living hope hmm. to an inheritance that can never be touched or taken away. And you actually have joy that's inexpressible. Like you have so much joy through the living hope of being born again through Christ's resurrection. Hmm. It can't be expressed. That sounds like a win to me. Hmm. So how do you win the game? You have to be born again. Like that's how you win this game and you have hmm. eternal life. Um, then going further into that chapter, how do you win? Uh, it's interesting. He says, like children, like children, that's going to come up in this text today. Like obedient children, you fear God and you be holy because he's holy. And the reason you do that is because you know the price that was paid for you. So if you really know that the blood of Christ, which by the way, through his death and resurrection is where you get the born again living hope. What accomplishes that is the precious blood of Christ. And knowing that that was more precious than silver or gold that perishes, mm -hmm. you fear God and you, you live a holy life. And so how do you win this life? You, you recognize the payment and you live a holy life. Mm -hmm. Like that is the, the cause of a holy life is your knowledge. And I would say a daily recognition of the price that was paid for you. And that should be encouraging to you because that is a sign of God's love for you so that he would die in your place, shed his blood to pay for your sin. So you, you, how do you win? You be holy, motivated by the knowledge of the gospel. Hmm. And then we're going to get to the third one. This would be, I think it'll be Thursday morning at both camps. This is where you get into chapter two. How do you win the game? You desire the word. You mm. desire the word. So let me just read the verses. This is 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, first glance. I think it's a clear connection, pure spiritual milk, to the Word of God. There are other passages in the New Testament that reference this same point. And the difference, though, is that in those other passages, mainly Hebrews, it's a negative connotation. Well, you should have solid food, talking of doctrine. But what you need, again, is the milk, the basic things. But there's a tie from this idea of the milk to doctrinal truth. And that could be like the proclaimed uh, apostolic kerygma of doctrine, or it could be a reference. I think the extension could be made to what becomes written doctrine in, in the New Testament, certainly the Old Testament. Uh, verse three is a heavy allusion to the Psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's in Peter's mind that he's, he is thinking about the word. I was surprised as I studied this, how there is disagreement more academically and theologically about how this might not be a direct reference to the word. And we don't have to get into it, but they, they work from the words pure and spiritual that describe the milk and how 
There's this really big emphasis on the imperishable seed a few verses earlier and how he's not pointing, he's almost pointing to the source of life that is so pure and spiritual and to continue desire to desire the source of life, which would be again, Christ and the gospel. So to, to never forget what has been done for you through the blood of Christ. And that's great. I, I do think it's probably just a connection to teaching the doctrine. So that being said, looking at verse two, it's almost a repetition of a phrase from chapter one. In chapter one, I think it's verse 17, uh, verse 14, like obedient children do not be conformed, but be holy. And if you call him father, verse 17, live your life of exile in fear. Verse 18, why? What's the cause? A causal participle. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Very similar phrase. Like obedient children, verse 14. Like newborn infant. So the metaphor, the simile that's mm-hmm. being drawn is very a very simple one. Think about how a, a baby, when they are hungry, longs for mm. the milk of the mother. Like they want it. And I've even heard, and I'm obviously not a father, but that there's a distinct cry for when a child is hungry. They've actually done like, analy- they've analyzed babies' cries and they can distinguish between the noises they make when they're hungry versus upset and things like that. Yes, you can discern yeah. the difference between yep. a child's cry. That's yep. why when there is also a sinful cry, yes. where you can tell that the child is just stinking mad. Mm-hmm. And that's so, a, a fun time. Playing on that idea, Peter says, what, what is being exalted here? I don't think he's calling them infant. Like in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews does allude like, you're a child. You need to grow up. Here, he's not pointing out like your infants. The metaphor is like an infant desires the food. You desire the pure spiritual milk. And uh, uh, verse one is subordinate to that imperative. So putting away all of these wrong motives and desires, the one love that you should have, you should desire like a child desires milk, you should desire pure spiritual milk. And I, I do think that is, as a believer, seeking and wanting the truth. And not just like to obtain the knowledge, but to connecting with the idea that we talked about. Wanting the true milk to grow me. Like to have a genuine desire that the word change my life. And, and that's, you know, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, you may grow up into salvation. And so is the it, uh, it's, it's a prepositional phrase in it. Is it referring to the word? It probably is, but I would just broaden out the base a little bit and say, it's also the fact that you are desiring it. The prerequisite is the desire. You have the desire and you seek the truth. Think of Proverbs 2. And then what does the word do when you come to it the right way? It transforms you. Uh, And then he throws in verse 3. If indeed, 
you've tasted that the Lord is good. And, and again, I think it's a motive of like, you've seen what God and Christ and the gospel and his word does for you. So that's why you desire it. You've tasted and seen how good it is and you keep going back to it and it transforms your life. And that transformation is the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, and the patience, all the good fruit. And um, so uh, to just back up, how does someone win the game? You're born again. You live a holy life because you know what Christ did for you. And knowing that, tasting and knowing that Christ and his word is good, you desire that. And what happens? You grow up. You are transformed. And so you win. You win by seeking the truth, by seeking the word of God. And so that's, we're going to talk about that at Junior High Camp, the importance of not just reading the Bible, but actually coming to a devotional time with the desire for the Spirit of God to change you through the Word. And, and almost the, the prerequisite of the longing. And like, oh, when you, when you open your Bible, are you doing it because you know you're supposed to, or even at camp, are you memorizing these verses because you get points for them? And the answer is, yeah. Um, but do I go to the Word with a recognition of why I'm going to it? And the reality is, any other desire to approach the Word that isn't, that it may transform me, that I might grow up in it, because I know and have tasted that the Lord is good, any other desire is disordinate, inordinate. Like that, that should be the reason why I approach the Scriptures. Now, that doesn't mean... You know, like you, well, my desire is wrong, so I'm not going to read my Bible today. That <laughs> oh, is a prompting. Thank you for saying this. That is a prompting. Mm, yes. If that, if you recognize that wrong desire in your approach to the word, you need to stop and repent and pray and ask God for help. And then you need to go into the truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. You need, with that mindset, you, you, you follow through and do what you know God does. In fact, wants you to do, which is to. Mm -hmm. read and know and study the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so, as you do that again and again and again, it, what does it cultivate? The right affections. The right affections, the right desire. Boom. So I'm just going to dive in with this one. And I, you can tell me if it doesn't go with what you're saying, but I think it does. This is a food analogy. And I, those are my favorite analogies in scripture. 100%. I mean, they're just the best. But you guys I, are horrendous. <laughs> no, but I really like this because I hated coffee growing up. I loved Mountain Dew. And what I had to do is I had to learn to love coffee by tasting it, by seeing what it did. And so here it's like a similar thing. Why do you go to the word? Because you've tasted and you know it's good, which means if you don't know it tastes good, then you're either not tasting it or you've been eating junk food and your, your tastes are attuned to junk food. I just, I think that analogy oh, is perfect here. It is. You're and I used think to the junk. I'm not sure if it's um, second Timothy or first Timothy. The purpose of the command. Uh, I think it's First Timothy. Yeah, I was in Second Timothy. It's First Timothy. Do the do what not you devote yourselves to myths and endless genealogy. So, mm, what's yep. not the truth? Yep. Which promotes speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart a good conscience mm. and a sincere faith. Mm. Yes. So the purpose of the command, like to not dwell on the one, but to focus on what is true mm -hmm. is the, is the, is the pure 
purifying of, of the soul, the conscience. Mm. And the reality is that you can actually have very skewed tastes. Yep. And uh, your, mm. your desires and emotions are not a correct barometer to decide if something is right or wrong all of the time. Like if mm. a healthy conscience, oh, yep. that's wrong. Don't do that. But yep. that can actually be skewed. Um, and what changes that? Or to what are we supposed to align our conscience towards? I don't know. If, I don't think I don't like the illustration of us aligning our conscience because we're not really the ones that changes it. Mm-hmm. But we go to the word, yes. allowing the spirit to transform. We submit and mm-hmm. we yield, and then our consciences are changed mm-hmm. to match his. Mm-hmm. And it, but I think Scott Annual said this when we interviewed him, or in one of his writings. I can't remember, but. What is walking in the spirit? Well, it can't be less than obedience to God's word. Yep. It has to start there. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the word, you don't have the spirit. It's not like an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. But then you can swing the pendulum the other side. Just because you're reading it doesn't mean you have the spirit. And I think the key in 1 Peter 2 is the desire. Uh, That the correct longing for the word is a good thing. But so... How do you win? Long for the word. Mm. And if you have been born of imperishable seed through the resurrection of Christ, there's probably a desire in there. It's probably a mixed desire because you're still a sinner, but you want to cultivate that desire for the new and the better and the true things. So win the game of life by seeking and reading and studying the word of God like a newborn child. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.